two uh, readings for this evening. Um, first of all, uh, Daniel chapter 7, uh, and then if you keep your uh, place over at Revelation 5 uh, at the end. So first of all, uh, Daniel chapter 7. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 7, uh, we're going to read verse 1, then jump down to uh, verse 9, and then down to the end. So Daniel 7, verse 1. Daniel 7, verse 1, uh, and then verse 9. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him uh, near before him. Uh, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my, my body and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, breaking pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more, more stout than his fellows, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them, until the king the ancient of days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall, shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. 
and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time, and times, and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it uh, unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. And then turning over to Revelation chapter 5, we'll read uh, all of this uh, chapter. It's just 14 verses. Uh, Revelation chapter 5, beginning at verse uh, 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Uh, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty, twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps, and golden vials full of odours, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down, and worshipped him that liveth for ever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless to each and every one of us the reading and hearing of his own precious word. Well, please keep uh, your Bibles open at that uh, Revelation chapter 5, the passage that we want to uh, focus on uh, for uh, this evening. 
But just before we come uh, to Revelation 5, we want to uh, look into uh, the, uh, the context. Uh, before we get into the content of the chapter, um, we want to find our bearings where this chapter sits within uh, the context of the book. Um, going right back to the start, in chapter 1 we have a, an introduction um, and greetings. Uh, and then John tells us in Revelation 1 and verse 10 that he was in the Spirit uh, on the Lord's day. Uh, and then he relates uh, this first vision that he has, a vision of the, the risen, uh, glorified uh, Christ. Uh, that's chapter 1. Chapter, in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says that I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Uh, and then uh, he sees the risen uh, Lord. Uh, and this is followed then by Christ's uh, messages to the seven churches in seven cities in chapters 2 and 3. Uh, then we come to chapter 4 and verse 2. Uh, and again we're told that Jesus is in the Spirit. Uh, and he has uh, a second vision. And this second vision is in chapters 4 and 5. Uh, chapters 2 and 3 dealing with matters that relate uh, to these churches the, in these seven cities. Chapters 4 and 5, no longer dealing with the churches and what's happening on earth. Um, uh, the, the vision takes him uh, this time uh, into heaven uh, itself. And so this is where our setting is for our uh, passage uh, this evening in Revelation 5. Uh, and what John sees there in chapters 4 and 5 is God's throne room. Uh, now, we're, we're still only in the first quarter uh, of the book of Revelation. Uh, but these two chapters, 4 and 5, are, are really at the, the very heart uh, of the book. Uh, chapters 1 and 3 are, are, are leading us uh, to uh, this point in 4 and 5. And then chapter 6, right through uh, to the end, uh, go on to tell us everything that's going to, to follow uh, after what takes place here in the, the throne room of heaven. Chapter 4 and 5, the, the scene is God is seated uh, on the throne and he's been worshipped by these heavenly beings. For, first of all, uh, in chapter 4, for his mighty acts of creation. Uh, and then when we move into chapter 5, God is being worshipped again, but uh, he, this time for his sovereignty, in his judgment, and in his redemption, in his work of the new creation. So chapter 4, he's being worshipped for creation, for the, his work as creator. Uh, and then in chapter 5, it's uh, the praises for Christ's work as a redeemer in the work of the new creation. Chapter 5, uh, John sees uh, this seven-sealed scroll or, or book uh, in God's hand, uh, which none are worthy to open, that is, except the Lamb. And then in chapter 6, to the beginning of chapter 8, uh, we're told about these seven seals being broken or being opened by the Lamb. Uh, then following on from that, uh, at the beginning of chapter 8 right through to chapter 11 uh, we read about the seven trumpets and with each trumpet blast uh, John sees disasters that will come uh, upon the earth 
chapters 12 to 14, there are seven signs, there are seven significant events to take place. Chapters 15 and 16, seven bowls, bowls of plagues that are poured out uh, upon the earth. Chapters 17 to 19, seven messages of judgment and messages that describe uh, God and they celebrate God's victory in the world. His sovereignty is seen in all that he does uh, on the earth and throughout the world with his judgment of the wicked, but also with his reward uh, or uh, uh, towards the righteous. Uh, and then chapters 20 to 22 uh, end where we began in chapter 4 and 5. The book starts in the throne room, 4 and 5, and it ends in chapters 20 to 22, again in the throne room. This closing vision of the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, where God dwells with his people. So, seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven signs, seven bowls, seven messages of judgment. There John is on the Isle of Patmos. He has this vision of the glorified Christ who gives him these uh, messages for the seven churches. Then his vision of the throne room in chapters 4 and 5. God is surrounded uh, by praise. Uh, And then there's this unveiling, the revelation uh, of all that is to follow uh, from chapter 6 onwards uh, until the consummation of all things. So that's why chapters 4 and 5 are very much at the heart uh, of the book. Uh, And that's our setting for this evening, first of all. uh, The throne room. The throne room. Now, uh, I might have mentioned it uh, on some other occasion, but there are Uh, There's no other uh, book of the Bible that has as many uh, images, as many pictures, uh, as many word pictures as the book of Revelation. And even just in that brief sort of overview uh, where it talks about uh, seals and trumpets and bowls uh, and uh, all sorts of strange beasts, um, many, many more images. There's, There's no other book like it in the scriptures. Uh, And there's no other book in the New Testament that has as many Old Testament allusions uh, and echoes coming from the Old Testament as the book of Revelation. John is drawing so much from the uh, Old Testament. Indeed, the imagery in Revelation is almost exclusively drawn from the Old Testament. Uh, And that is a reminder to us Uh, that our redemption in Christ is the fulfilment of all that God has already promised, all that God has already prophesied uh, in uh, the Old Testament. It's promised, it's prophesied, and then it finds its fulfilment in uh, the New Testament through the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this Old Testament Connection and this drawing from the imagery uh, of the Old Testament uh, is is very clear. If you in your own time, if you go back, and that's why we read from Daniel chapter seven. Uh, read Daniel, Daniel chapter seven, and then go back and read Revelation four and five, and you'll start to see that it's picturing the same scene, same things going on. There's uh, John in Revelation four and five. 
He's following the structure and the imagery that is found in Daniel chapter 7. Revelation 4, where there's a description of God seated on a throne. There's fire before the throne. The heavenly servants are surrounding the throne. Go back to Daniel 7 and you'll see the same description by Daniel. Then in Revelation 5, uh, the scroll or the book, the opening of the scroll, this messianic figure who's given authority to reign over the kingdom. Uh, Even the emotional distress of John talks about uh, Daniel uh, being stressed. um, uh, His his head couldn't take it in what he'd just seen. Uh, Well, John himself is also uh, distressed. He fell down at the feet of the the Lord Jesus uh, as though dead. Um, So John was in distress as well because of the vision. Uh, Also the the saints who are given authority to reign over a kingdom, the mention of God's eternal reign, uh, again they all resemble what you will read in Daniel chapter 7. Revelation 4 repeat the same uh, basic elements from Daniel 7 verses 9 to 28 and very much in in the same order uh, as Daniel gives them. There are slight variations, um, but uh, very much picturing the same thing. As well as Daniel 7, John is also uh, alluding to, in these two chapters, he's alluding back to Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 2, but he he doesn't stick to the same structure as Ezekiel uh, as much as he does to Daniel uh, 7. He doesn't follow all the elements that Ezekiel speaks about in Ezekiel 1 and 2, um, as close as what he, uh, what he does in following uh, Daniel. So Revelation 4 and 5 are really a, a fulfilment, the fulfilment of Daniel chapter 7. Daniel's prophecy of the reign of the Son of Man and uh, of the saints, uh, which comes about as a result of Christ's death, his resurrection, uh, which makes him the one who is the only one who is worthy uh, to approach the throne of God, to receive authority, and to open uh, the seals. Revelation 4, verse 8 and verse 11, uh, the angelic beings, the 24 elders that are around the throne, they're praising God who is worthy uh, because uh, as it says there in verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Chapter 4, God is being worshipped as the creator, the sustainer of all things. Revelation 5, then, this throne vision uh, continues, and so does the praise, but Now there's something new uh, in the praise. Uh, uh, Revelation 5 and verse 9, John says, a new song. It's a new song. There's something else uh, here uh, to be sung about. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take uh, the book. So we have the setting, first of all, the throne room chapters 4 and 5. And then secondly, in verses 1 to 4 of chapter 5, we have uh, the scroll or uh, the book. 
And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look uh, thereon. So uh, our attention, first of all, is in the setting on the, in the throne room. Uh, then uh, focus, John focuses in or zooms in on this book that is in the hand uh, of the right hand uh, of God. Up until the second century AD, uh, most lengthy documents were, were written on scrolls made of uh, papyrus, leather or parchment. Uh, and the books of the Bible were written in this uh, scroll form, or this type of book form. Uh, the scroll is mentioned here uh, in Revelation 5. Um, again, we find it mentioned in uh, Ezekiel chapter 2, uh, verse 8, uh, through to uh, chapter 3, verse 2. In, in particular, uh, Ezekiel 2, verses 9 and 10, we're told that it's written on the inside, but also on the back, um, it was it was very rare for uh, this to, to happen for for a book or a scroll to have the writing on both sides, uh, and the fact that it is, it is written on both sides uh, is is really symbolic that it's it's complete. Um, there's there's nothing more to add. Everything that needs to be said is said uh, on this writing. Um, on the front and on the back. Nothing to be added to it, uh, and there's nothing to be taken away uh, from it. And then the, the, the contents of uh, the scroll or the book uh, are revealed as these scrolls or these seals are broken in chapter 6 on through into the start of chapter 8. Uh, and this opening of the, the scrolls are, uh, is, is, is a, an unveiling of the complete plan of God for human history. We're told that this book here in Revelation 5, it has seven seals. Uh, again, in the ancient world, the legal documents uh, would have had multiple uh, seals. Um, but again, just like uh, the rest of uh, four, Revelation 4 and 5, taking us back into to Daniel or at times into Ezekiel, uh, this idea of sealing and opening books um, connects right back to Daniel chapter 12 and the first 13 verses. Uh, in particular, Daniel is anticipating the, the future unsealing of this book uh, that appears. Uh, and again, it's another indication that, that John's vision, uh, it, it, it contains the fulfillment of what Daniel was prophesying. Now the question in verse 2 is who is worthy to open uh, the book and to loose the seals thereof? Who can open the book uh, and break its seals? Uh, And the solemn answer in verse 3 is that there's no one, no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look uh, thereon. Uh, as you, you'll appreciate, there are uh, many, many views on the book of Revelation. 
uh, and there are uh, as many views again um, on the significance of this book or this scroll. Uh, but reform commentators uh, take this uh, book or scroll to be a reference to the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, which John mentions uh, several times uh, within the book of Revelation. Uh, another, um, somebody has said that there's the implications of the, the scrolls being broken in chapters 6 to 8 is that these, the breaking of the scrolls represent uh, what, what must take place before the, the final opening of the actual book of life uh, and the revelation of the names uh, of the redeemed, which looks forward to uh, Revelation 20 and verses 12 and 15, which speaks about uh, the book of life. Um, this, this breaking of the seals and, uh, and everything that's to take place uh, before that final uh, uh, revealing uh, from the book of life uh, in Revelation 20. Um, John, or sorry, the Lord Jesus had already spoken to his disciples uh, about this in Matthew 24 uh, and verses 6 to 9. Jesus warned his disciples on the Mount of Olives. He says there's going to be wars. Uh, there's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. There's going to be persecution. Um, uh, do you think he was talking about today? Is it, uh, all this is in the news today. But it, Jesus says all these things are, that's what's going to be happening uh, in this period um, before this final uh, opening. It's the very things that John sees in his vision uh, as the seals are broken in chapter 6 to the beginning of 8. But there's no one. There's no one who can open the book or, or break the seals in verse 3. And John says, uh, he tells us that he, he was overwhelmed with grief, verse 4. Um, uh, I, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, uh, I wept much. I wept much. So we have the throne room, the setting, chapters 4 and 5. Then we have this, the attention on the, the scroll or the book in verses 1 to 4. Uh, and then thirdly, the lamb, the lamb in verses uh, 5 uh, to 8. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odours, which are the prayers of the saints. Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, he has conquered he has been uh, victorious. So he is the one who can open the scroll, who can open the book and break the seven seals. And John saw in verse 6, a lamb who is the lion, the root of David, who was conquered, who can open the book and its seven seals. This description of Christ as the, the lion of the tribe of Judah goes right back to 
Genesis 49 and verse 9, uh, where we're told that Judah is a lion's cub. Verse 9 uh, of Ch- Genesis 49, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Uh, the, the promised Messiah is going to come down through this line. This uh, king is going to come down through this line. Uh, the root of, of David, uh, Isaiah 11 verses 1 and 10, speak about the root of Jesse. Well, uh, David was from the root of Jesse. Jesse was his father. Um, uh, the ideal king is going to come from the line of Jesse, from the line of David. Uh, indeed, Paul speaks about this in Romans 15 and verse 12. He says, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and in him the Gentiles hope. This picture of the lion is often used in the Old Testament to, to, as a picture um, uh, of irresistible strength, of, of power, uh, a bold, uh, valiant uh, warrior. Um, uh, Ezekiel 19, again, um, verses 2 to 9, uh, it speaks about lions uh, representing the royal house of Judah. Um, there's triumph over uh, their, their enemies, they, their strength, there's power, uh, a very fitting uh, image um, for one who conquers and who is victorious. Verse 5, John says, he has conquered, he has prevailed to open up uh, the book. The lion, this messianic figure, is the one who has triumphed. The elder says, behold the lion, behold the lion, look at the lion the tri- from the tribe of Judah. John turns to see uh, in verse 6, and what does he see? He doesn't see a lion, he sees a lamb. And the fact that the lion is also a lamb indicates that he, he does conquer. He is victorious, but his, uh, his conquering is not by destruction, by destructive power, but rather by obedience and sacrifice. And this is the picture of, of the lamb that we have right throughout the Old Testament. The lamb is, is associated with sacrifice in the Old Testament and a picture of the lamb in the Old Testament uh, as a sacrifice finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, John 1, verse 29, verse 30, 26, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is the significance of the t- his title here as the Lamb. Uh, in Revelation 5 and verse 6, uh, John repeats it again in verse 9 and in verse 12. Uh, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, sacrificed. Verse 9, Thou art worthy to op- take the book, to open the seals, for thou wast slain. Again in verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain. He's both a lamb offered as a sacrifice, but he is also the lion, the one who conquers, the one who is strong, who is powerful. What's unusual about this lamb here is that it has seven horns, and horns uh, represent power. 
Uh, we just read back in uh, Daniel 7 uh, again, and you'll see it's speaking about all these horns. Uh, and when it does, it's talking about uh, those who are in uh, power. It's a term uh, that represents power. The fact that this the lamb has seven horns underlines that the, this lamb is omnipotent. This lamb is all-powerful, not just powerful, but all-powerful. Not only has it seven horns, but it also has seven eyes, which John says are the spirits of God. Uh, and this brings us back to Zechariah chapter 3, verse 4, and chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, and the seven eyes are associated with the, the fact that the Lord is omniscient. He sees all things and he knows all things. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. So the Lamb is not only all-powerful, seven horns, but he is also omniscient. He is all-seeing, all-knowing. He is omnipotent and sovereign. And this is the Lamb that approaches the throne in verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. The throne room, the book, the lamb, and then finally, in verses 8 to the end, the song. The song. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb and sing of his worthiness. And their praise, their praise is a new song. Verse 9. And they sung a new song. And they're, they're joined by a, a great uh, innumerable company of, of angels in verse 13. And then in verse 14, by, by all creation. What's interesting uh, about this new song, uh, this Old Testament expression, new song, is that um, it was, it's always used as a, a praise of God's victory over his enemies. And that's why we find them singing a new song again and again uh, in the psalm. Psalm 33, Psalm 40, Psalm 96 that we're going to sing in just a moment, Psalm 98, Psalm 144, Psalm 149, it's also found in Isaiah 42, verse 10. They're all singing a new song. What's this new song? What's it all about? It's that the Lamb is victorious. The Lamb has conquered. John has already told us that the Lion has conquered in verse 5. He has prevailed. He has prevailed. He has overcome. He has conquered. But now... Uh, but how has he conquered? That's the question. How has he gone about it? We've said that he, he, saw, he turned to look at a lion, but he, but he sees a lamb. Uh, and the lamb conquers, is victorious, by sacrifice, by obedience. So how has he conquered? Why, why is the lamb worthy? Well, we're given the answer here in verse 9. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, 
and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. You were slain. That's why you're worthy. You were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed, you purchased a people for God. This song, it's all about the Lamb. It's all, it's all about him. Just as all the book of Revelation, it's all about him. Chapters 1 to 3, John describes him as walking in the midst of the lampstands. He's walking in the, in the midst of his church. He's at the centre. Christ is the one who is at the centre of the church. Chapter 6 and, and following, all this unfolding of history, all the events of history, he is the one who's at the centre of what happens. And then in the final chapters, chapters 21 and 22, he is the one who is at the centre of eternal glory. He's at the centre of heaven. John says there's no sun, there's no moon, there's no stars because the Lamb is the light. The, The light is radiating from him. He is the focus. He is the center. He is worthy. He's worthy because he was slain and because he was slain, he has ransomed a people for God. He has purchased our salvation. He is praised because he was slain. He is praised because he has redeemed a people. He has saved a people for God by his blood. He has conquered. He has conquered. How has he conquered? He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And he has conquered the devil by the giving of himself, by sacrifice. Indeed, John will go on to tell us in Revelation 13 and verse 8 that he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Slain before the foundation of the world. God had a plan from the very beginning to rescue, to redeem, to restore lost sinners God had a plan and a purpose before the foundation of the world he has unfolded that plan in the coming the dying the raising of his son to ransom a people for himself and the breaking of the seals in chapter 6 to 8 the breaking of the seals of the scroll reveal that he is still carrying out his plan he is still carrying out his purposes and will do to the very end. And it's the Lamb, the the Lamb, just going through Revelation, you see it's the Lamb, he is the one who determines what world events follow after other worldly world events, until it finally reaches that glorious day when he shall return to take his bride, to take the church, to take his people, to be with him in the new heaven and the new earth. And so, in the throne room of God, the song just continues to rise and to rise into this crescendo in in verses 12 uh, to 13, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory uh, and blessing. 
and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. Did you notice there? Worthy is the Lamb to receive power, wealth, rich power, riches, wisdom, strength, honour, glory and blessing. How many qualities? Book of Revelation seven. Seven. Complete. Perfect. We are made complete in him. He is the perfect saviour. He is the one, the only one that we should worship and adore. Just before we, we close, just want to notice something else that is, uh, well, I find it amazing. Um, I hope you'll find it amazing as well and that you'll be greatly encouraged. Um, that we're told here that the people of God are also involved in God's outworking of his plan. Verse 8. When he'd taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials or, or bowls full of odours, um, which is incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Prayers of the saints. I wonder if you ever felt a time times maybe when you're praying and you sort of make your prayer and you wonder where where's that gone? Has God heard me? Um, there's a there was a poet, uh, Jared Manley Hopkins. Um, I think he was a Roman Catholic, um, but the, he was known as the Faith Doubt poet because sometimes he expressed in his poetry his faith, but also he expresses times of great doubt, and then uh, he actually makes a reference to uh, praying, and that he felt like his prayers never went beyond the ceiling. That might have been the case for George Manley Hopkins. We, m- we might feel like that sometimes, but it's not the case if we're a child of God. Where do our prayers go? Golden bowls, full of incense, which are the prayers of saints. Our prayers are contained in golden bowls before the throne of God. As the people of God, we are making a difference in how history unfolds by our prayers and by our praise. They are incense in these golden bowls in the throne room of heaven. We have a direct link to God's throne by prayer and through our praise and our prayers. Our prayers can 
replace cursing with blessing. Our prayers can turn defeat into victory. Our prayers can turn pain and suffering into glory. And it speaks about us reigning here on earth. Uh, verse 10. And has made us in, into unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth with Christ who reigns in heaven. Does God hear your prayers? God not only hears your prayers, they're, they're kept in golden bowls before the throne. As it says elsewhere, he keeps our tears in a bottle. They're precious to him. So let us close by singing a new song. A song of victory, a song of worship to him who sits on the throne and the Lamb. Let's sing together Psalm 96. Psalm 96, and we'll sing verses 8 to 11, and the tune is St. Magnus number 100, 110. Psalm 96, sing a new song to the Lord, uh, where all the earth is to, to sing to him. And what's the proclamation? Um, why are we singing? He saves. He saves. Bless his name. Show still his saving health abroad. Uh, among the heathen nations his glory do declare. And unto all the people show his works that wondrous are. For great is the Lord, greatly to be magnified. Yea, worthy to be feared is he above all gods beside. Psalm 96, uh, singing uh, verses uh, 1 to, sorry, where are we? 8 to 11. 8 to 11, sorry, I was giving you the wrong reference there at the start. Uh, verses, verses 8 uh, down to uh, 11. Let's stand and worship, worship God. <laughs>